You're listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. This is season seven, episode five, Wellness and the Life of the Artist. One aspect of art making we sometimes overlook is the role of nutrition and physical wellness. Whether we're spending hours in the studio composing or choreographing or hunched over a computer screen or a potter's wheel, the demands of the creative process require the artist to make intentional choices toward physical well-being as much as our spiritual, emotional, or mental health. Several months ago, I had the opportunity to talk with artist, educator, and wellness consultant Cynthia Newland. Cynthia is the founder of Nourishing the Body, Soul, and Spirit, providing resources and equipping tools for holistic health. With her work in the area of wellness, she partners with the Health Made Simple community. Cynthia is also the founding director of Feet Speak Dance, a dance company whose mission aims to use dance to teach, inspire, and bring a rich art-filled experience to all whom they encounter. In our conversation, Cynthia and I discussed the importance of physical nourishment, nutrition, and general health in the life of the artist. I felt this conversation would be timely for us as we continue on during this time of global shutdown. In the absence of public opportunities, many are turning to art making, outdoor activities, and more mindful ways of living. It seems a good time to turn our focus toward re-establishing healthy practices, both physical and spiritual. If you're a patron of the podcast, you can enjoy additional interview segments with Cynthia at patreon.com slash makersandmystics. Thank you for listening. This is Wellness and the Life of the Artist with Cynthia Newland. Cynthia, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me on Makers and Mystics today. Absolutely. It's my honor to be with you. Well, it's an honor to have you on the show, and I'm excited to have this conversation with you. I want to go ahead and dive right in and ask about how physical fitness and nutrition plays into the development of your art form as a dance instructor and how wellness impacts the life of the artist in general. Um, Great question. That's part of my heartbeat is when we start talking about the physicality of dance and comparing ourselves to athletes. I mean, we really are able to do so many things that are um, able to contend with other athletes. And so it is very physical and especially like working at a college and a university where I'm training dancers that not only are outputting so much physical exercise and expenditure of energy, but they also have to do this other thing like go to class and um, sit and listen to lectures. So they are usually very disciplined individuals and it's really highly important that Again, looking at these various pillars of health that they're paying attention to their body, to their soul, to their mind, to every part of their person. As far as the overall wellness, I I believe this is something that is important for dancers to feed, fuel, nourish, nurture their body very well. But it's not limited to just dancers. You know, it's all of us. We've been given this body, this temple, and how are we going to best care for it? 
but obviously for me, nutrition is really important for the dancer to make sure that you're optimally putting those things in that are going to allow you to perform to your highest ability. Mm-hmm. How do you see our physical wellness relating to our emotional health and to mental health? Do you see that all of these things are connected? Absolutely. They are connected um, without a doubt. And the more I'm becoming a little bit of a science nerd and learning about just physiologically how we're made and how we're created and designed, there's things like I could talk about our microbiome and how we're, you know, our gut health. And I could talk about the gut brain and that intelligence, the connection between our head intelligence, our cognitive brain intelligence connected to our, um, our gut. So there's definitely a connection. And so if we're not feeding and fueling well, putting those things that are whole food that are as clean as possible into our bodies, then we do have a disconnect if that's not happening. If it is happening, then you think more clearly. You have a better connection because when you're looking at, the again, the science, serotonin is being developed in your gut. And so if you are putting not great things in and eating a bunch of junk food and just processed food and refined sugars and all those things, then that isn't going to properly be able to um, be created then to signal and trigger for us, how should I be feeling? What kind of mood am I in? Um, so that whole statement about hangry is really a thing. You know, it's really a thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's really fascinating because I know even for myself, I'm not a dancer, but I do run several times a week. And I've, I've had to learn how to bring a notebook and a pen with me on all of my runs because it, inevitably whenever I get out there in the middle of the run my mind starts firing off in a new way and I suddenly start getting poetic ideas or ideas for the books that I'm writing or for the episodes that I'm doing so tell me more about how you see the physical body is is affecting those other parts of our creative nature Absolutely. Um, I would say when I'm looking at, in particular, the scripture, I, this is my favorite scripture from Romans 12, 1 and 2, where we are to offer ourselves as a holy sacrifice, living and acceptable and pleasing to God, that, that that's our spiritual act of worship. So there's an offering of ourselves. It's the entire person, the entire entity. And so when we're looking at this physicality of having a body that's in motion, when it is fully engaged and moving, then it's allowing the other parts of us also to be triggered to move and engaged to move. And so when we're looking at like the sedentary lifestyle issues now that we're having and there's things that are being said like um, sitting and having a sedentary life is like the new you know trends that we've been seeing with like smoking and the effects in health um, it's just as equivalent to what's happening in our body with like cancers and other kinds of illnesses and sicknesses but the body when it's in motion it's not allowing those kinds of things to take place. And so our mind is thinking clearly, our thoughts are flowing um, creatively. So I'm a lot like you when I'm out and often I'm, I'm imagining you're out running out of doors and not on a treadmill. That's really a great thing. I'm an advocate. If you can do it on a treadmill and you can't get outside, that's great. Get the body moving. But when I'm out in creation, my senses are engaged. I'm seeing, I'm smelling. This morning on a walk with my husband, I was just like, 
just smell. Can you just smell all these amazing smells? And it's because it was just slightly raining and other things were being triggered to just ignite my senses. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think just all of those things are being fired. When our body's moving, we're feeling because you're physically engaged. You're feeling the floor underneath you. Um, in dance, we get to feel a lot more of it when you're a modern dancer and you're rolling on the floor. So your senses are engaged in getting as graphic as like sweat. You taste it if it just comes on the side of your mouth. You know what I mean? So you're seeing, you're hearing sound. So every part is being engaged and activated. I love what you're saying about even being on the walk and how it heightens your senses and how, you know, suddenly your smell is engaged and then the the taste of the sweat. And then because the arts are a very sensory expression, you know, they're really incarnate and really appeal to that physicality. And, you know, we hear a lot about the moodiness of the Mm -hmm. artistic temperament, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think part of that is because the artist goes so deep into the emotional realm, the spiritual realm, the mental realm, these very interior places of the human being. And so because of that depth and because of that inwardness that a lot of artists experience during the creative process, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it would seem to me all the more important for us as artists to listen to our bodies. I agree wholeheartedly, Mm -hmm. definitely. When I'm thinking about that in particular related to um, just like creativity and how we feel. I mean, we're the the communicators. The artists are the ones who are allowing this conduit for what other people might be experiencing, but aren't putting an emotion behind it or aren't putting just an actual um, understanding, an embodied understanding behind it. And so that's a part of our work. It's a part of our calling. It's a part of our job is to make sure that we as communicators, whatever our medium is, um, and I believe as a, as a Christian faith-filled artist, that my calling as an artist is to communicate those things that God downloads to me. And He downloads those things to me through nature. He downloads those, those things to me through His Word, through relationships, through conversations. I mean, uh, there's hardly anything that happens in my life that I don't respond to in some way. And um, so I'm in touch with how do I feel about um, my response and what am I thinking about it? And so it's not this kind of robotic way of experiencing going through life. And that's kind of a part of, you know, our American and, uh, you know, the Western way of just, you know, getting to the next thing, checking the thing off our list, just, you know, navigating in this, this automatic pilot system that artistic development, expression, endeavors, I believe really allows us to bypass that and not get caught up and entrapped in that. So yes, we feel deeply. And I believe other people on the planet feel deeply too. It's just that they can be in automatic pilot mode and don't really listen to their body or listen to their heart or listen to their thoughts about what it is that they're experiencing. So Yes, rightfully so, we're, you know, tagged and labeled as, you know, melancholic or moody. Um, Yay, that's great. But at the same time, that's just one kind of stereotype. There's so much depth that goes beyond that labeling. 
what would you say would be some healthy practices for the artist to engage their emotions without being consumed by their emotion? Sure. Healthy practice for the artist related to emotions, I believe it's determining, you know, what are our um, capacities? And it's understanding what the whole array of our emotional abilities are. And sometimes we don't have a a good understanding. And I can speak from my own experience. I think because I was raised um, in a home, came from a broken family, I definitely had some emotional deficits. My emotional vocabulary was happy or sad. I mean, that was just really about it. And then as I began looking at my artistry and realizing, okay, now I have some other things that I need to express, I started understanding that, you know, there's this whole array of emotions. And I used this one little page with a couple of girlfriends for a season that has all of these circle little faces and they have underneath a an emotion and an expression on each one of those faces. And we went through those and we talked about when have I felt surly? When have I felt disappointed? When have I felt aggravated? When have I felt... And that to me was such a basic kind of like 101 way of getting in touch with my own experiences because I could actually draw on my life and look at, wow, I have felt that experience. You know, I felt that emotion, but I didn't even know it existed. Mm -hmm. And so I think a part of the emotional health is being aware of what are all the options Mm -hmm. and then not just staying stuck in, uh, you know, melancholic or not just staying stuck in frustrated or stuck in whatever. So ways to get there, I think, is practically even looking at a, a helpful tool page like that that can give you an idea that there is a whole array. And then the balance is understanding that we need to be aware that everything has a balance. If we go without eating for a long time, then it's an unbalance because we're hungry, we grow faint, and we're not able to really take care of the physical part of us Um, emotionally, mentally. If we're constantly in this place of either this being in a deficit or only focusing on mental, mental, mental health, emotional, emotional, emotional health, and doing that as our, you know, our, our focus realm, then there's this other part of us that there's deficit. So for me, practical tools are even like you were talking about journaling, what am I feeling and being able to write out numerous times through the day using your smartphone, a little pencil and paper, or just something like that to, to realize, okay, during this day, I had actually 30 different emotions that I felt. And if you're in your day practice and realizing that you're only writing down two and you just stayed in angry all day long, then that's not balanced. And you have to look at, well, there's a whole array and how can I either be intentional and a part of that is just you know, being thankful. That's a great practice that mm-hmm. helps you to realize that there's some other um, ways to go about this, you know, more balanced understanding of paying attention to what my mind is thinking, what am I feeling, and how does that affect my artistry or how does that affect my relationships? Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think all of those um, can be, you know, a point towards just attentiveness. Mm-hmm. That's really good. You mentioned earlier that your art and your choreography is a response 
to, mm-hmm. to what you experience. Tell me more about how your art is a response to what you encounter in life. Uh, well, <laughs> this is just an hour. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll give a real, real prime example. So this last month, five weeks, I was in Europe and I had an honor to take um, Feet Speak Dance over to Europe. And we were in four different countries. We had an opportunity to um, present art in an array of environments for an array of audiences. We did have some downtime. And during that downtime, we went to see specific sites, museums, um, went to concerts. We were indulging in the art of the culture. And I probably have, I don't know, probably well over 60 pictures that I captured on my smartphone of sculptures. And as I was looking at the different countries and looking at these different artists and their creation, I just kept looking like there is a dance in this these sculptures are going to come to life Mm -hmm. and i've already just you know been thinking through okay how is this going to practically you know be evolve you know evolve into some kind of creative um, response so that's just one example of looking at other people's craftsmanship or craftswomanship and um how they depicted something from, uh, you know, most of them were from stone and brought to life. These reflections of different images of people, babies, women, adults, men, just uh, this whole people in royalty, people who are the commoners. So uh, as I'm looking at their art and these statues are coming to life for me, I feel this urge to do something in response. Mm -hmm. And that response will be an embodiment of Mm -hmm. um, dance that will bring those statues to life. Um, And a part of it will be probably formulating um, dance phrases, looking at the sculpture and the shape. Part of it will be developing phrases and movement that's coming from the mood of what those statues were depicting. So I just felt like there was something starting to be birthed and I better capture as many of those as possible because that was going to be something that I would utilize. Another practice for me would be just, again, being in creation for whatever reason for me, when I get outside and am in nature and seeing the trees and relating that scripturally, you know, rocks. I brought home quite a few rocks from this trip. I've got rocks on my desk and my drawers and the cabinet. I've got rocks everywhere. (laughs) And that's just because I think about the scriptures. If I don't praise God, even the rocks are going to cry out. And so I do not want to be outdone by a rock, Mm -hmm. but I just collect them. And as I feel them and there's a, a you know a visceral response I am just stirred in my body to connect with nature and then there's this expression that comes out because of what I've felt or what I've seen or you know I've laughed with some of the dancers as we were walking and I was taking a really long time along this real rocky shore and collecting these rocks and I thought you know I could be here for a really long time <laughs> um And it's just, you know, collecting and, but it's being in the moment. And so that response, but again, trees do it, animals do it, you know, spring, summer, fall, winter, it doesn't matter what season, being outdoors, it just, I respond, you know, conversations, um, people, 
Um, some of my work is a, a response from what's happening socially, um, what's happening in our societies, um, trying to help people to understand, to look at things from a different perspective. I just, I'm just wired to respond. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I feel so thankful for and, and th- thankful of and very appreciative yeah. of God creating me that way. Yeah. You know, what you're saying reminds me of one of the most impacting books that I've read. And it's a small little book. I'm not sure if you've heard of it before. Perhaps you have, but it's called On Beauty and Being Just. Okay. And it's by a lady named Elaine Scarry. Okay. And it's just a tiny book, but she talks about how beauty incites us to reproduce it. Beauty Mm -hmm. incites us to recreate it, to Mm -hmm. tell it again, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's what I hear you saying is as you respond to these things, it's like when you encounter beauty or when you encounter something impacting, you're just inclined to reenact it or to, to reinstate it, to reproduce it, you know? I agree with that. And I believe for me, it's a reinstatement on many levels. Part of the reinstatement is just for me to reiterate, to get it, to really experience it for myself. Another part of that is to acknowledge God and His creation of that, either by inspiring other individuals to be artists so they can create things, or He Himself and His handiwork and creation. But for me to acknowledge, um, you've made this I understand in my own way that you are creator designer and I want to acknowledge you for that. And part of it is, you know, praise and worship. Part of it is just being in it. And that in itself, I believe, is a part of praising God and worshiping. And then another part of the reiteration is for people that I want others to experience as I'm experiencing it but not mandate how they experience it, just open up portals so then they can experience it in their own understanding, in their own interpretation. Mm -hmm. You're making me think how the creative process is in part our processing of what we've encountered. Just like you said, it's, it's that churning over inside of you, processing through what you've gone through, but also, especially for someone like yourself, Uh, whose creative process is so informed and so enmeshed with your spiritual practice that the creative process then also becomes a place of devotion. It also Mm -hmm. becomes that place of communion. Tell me how that works in your experience when you're processing these things that you go to. How does your relationship with God fit into that? Mm -hmm. With the considerations related to either processing information that I've gained from scriptures or from nature or from relationships. A part of it is um, taking intentional time. And that time is so precious that I just don't overlook what has just occurred, either from my own interpretation of seeing creation or a conversation and taking time later to reflect. Um, And we know in some of the amazing practices of um, meditation and devotion is reflection. That's huge that we really are taking time in that. And that's so intentional that a part of that is, again, it's a response. How am I feeling about what 
was it that I just read the amazing poetic words um, that you just mentioned, an incredible book? How am I deciphering that for myself? Mm -hmm. And so when I do that, when I take time to intentionally do that, I can't separate out that I am disconnected from God. I am a God-created fearfully and wonderfully made woman. I have been designed in the image of God, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And because of that indwelling of the Spirit of God within me, it's really not necessarily an I that's doing the um, reiteration or the reflection. It's a we. It's a communion with God. And we together are having this experience. And in His kindness and you know, beauty and freedom. He's allowing me to process all of these things, but I'm getting a yes and an amen and a reaffirmation every time I'm thinking these thoughts. I just feel like God's saying, yeah, that's it, girl. Yeah, that's right. That's it, my daughter. Yeah, that's it. So you're delighting in those things that I've made. You're delighting in those um, artistic endeavors that I've placed within others. You're delighting in my handiwork in creation. And so it's a we thing that's happening that makes the practice a part of, um, you know, not even being alone and isolated. It's an amazing unity. All throughout our conversation, I keep thinking back to this scripture in Genesis that has always been impacting to me, and it's Genesis 2.9, and it's where the trees in the garden were for beauty and for food. Mm-hmm. And we often overlook that. But to me, that one little verse it, that the trees were both for beauty and for food has always stood out to me that there's this connection between the aesthetic and physical nourishment. And so I've often said that beauty is to the soul what food is to the body. Mm-hmm. And I see that connection being made in your work. Yeah, and I definitely feel very passionate about that component as you're mentioning just the wellness Mm -hmm. you know so many people are life's getting cut short their artistic um, demonstrations are being cut short because their body is sick Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. if we can really take a stance and educate our own people so then we really are a model to go out and it's not that I'm expecting that everybody on the planet that's an artist, that's a Christian faith-filled artist, is going to be a spokesperson in you know, the same kind of way, using a PowerPoint and you know, whatever, in front of masses. But there is something about the scripture that you just mentioned that we don't understand. Mm-hmm. And if we can help release that understanding and help to empower, but part of it's just education. Do you know, it's no different than an artist being limited in their tools of a few brushstrokes, and that's all they ever learned. And then they become aware, wow, there's all these other tools that I could use. Mm -hmm. Cynthia, thank you so much for talking with us on Makers and Mystics today. I appreciate the work you're doing in making us artists take a healthier look at the lives we're living. Thank you, it's been my honor. And I just bless you and your continued work and all of the endeavors because your voice is being heard and you're lighting a fire under a lot of artists and validating them and providing a place where people can come together and feel safe, but also to be spurred on to be sent out. So thank you, your work is incredibly valuable. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank you for listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Makers and Mystics and our community page at The Breath and the Clay. 
If you haven't yet, please leave us a review on iTunes and let us know how the podcast has impacted your creative journey. Until next week, keep creating. The world needs your art. Music